everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. As always, I'm here with partner in mission, Mary Guilfoyle. How are you, Mary? Father John, I'm well, and we're back into reality. We're back here in Michigan where the weather still looks like winter. Yeah, but it's April, which means it's only two more months until it gets warm <laughs> in Michigan. We would say it's not a Chamber of Commerce day It is not here a, in Michigan. Hey, but the power's on. We That's have no right. trucks outside our windows. We have no, no St. Patrick's Day parades. Uh, so unless, you know, something happens here in the room unexpectedly, we should be able to make it through this podcast Let's episode. Let's pray so. Yeah, what's our topic today, Mary? Oh, Father, we have a great topic today. Uh, do you trust me yet? Ouch. Okay, so let's, <laughs> let's pray, pray. <laughs> and, and we will ask the Lord to speak into this. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, as we continue to just get closer and closer to uh, the great week, the week that's filled with celebrations of the events, which are the single most momentous, significant, and important events in the history of the world, namely the death and the resurrection of your son. We ask for the grace to be able to enter into those celebrations with deeper understanding that you would help us not to just have another Holy Week, another Good Friday, another Easter, uh, but to contemplate and to understand uh, the death and the resurrection of your son like never before and to imitate him by the power of your spirit and placing ourselves with utmost confidence in your hands. So we pray, especially for those uh, who are listening to us right now who find it most difficult to trust that even as uh, Mary and I speak, uh, that you would unveil yourself a little bit more fully to them, help them to know you as you are, uh, that you are a good father and that you hold us in your hands. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name Father, of the Father, Son, Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. So I, I got to tell you, so this uh, this came to me in prayer simply because, uh, so I haven't, for whatever reason, I don't sleep anymore. I hope this is a passing fancy in my life, but uh, I'm, I find myself getting up like for good pretty much every day now around 3.30 or something. And uh, I don't know why, but uh, so I just, you know, get up and pray and whatnot. And it's amazing how clear you hear God at 3.30 in the morning. But this morning I woke up and, uh, you know, I heard the Lord ask me this question. And uh, and it wasn't, it was a convicting question, if I'm really honest with you. I mean, it was really a chastisement is kind of how I felt him saying it to me with great love. I mean, because God always speaks in love. But it, it really was just like, John, don't you trust me yet? Mm. And... It was prompted by a number of things, not least of which is, you know, in the office of readings, which I know you pray and a number of lay men and women pray. And uh, we, we as priests and deacons, we make a promise to pray it. Uh, the readings uh, last week were from uh, the book of Numbers, where, which is just a really bad name, right? Like whoever was the marketing guy for the book of Numbers did a terrible job because Numbers sounds like this is going to be boring as milk toast, but Numbers is one of the most exciting books in the Old Testament. Very rich. Anyway. Um, so they talk about uh, that that time when um, Moses instructs the spies to go into what's going to be the promised land and uh, and to scout out the land and to come back. And they come back, and with the exception of Caleb, um, 
the spies are just sowing discouragement. So it's like, we, already. We, we can't do it. They're like, they're too big. The, the cities are too strong. Uh, the walls are too thick. Um, yeah, the land looks great and the fruit looks really good, but we can't do this. And it's a result of that, that the Israelites wander in the desert for another 40 years. And so the, the reason why that's so significant to me and what I, you know, in my own prayers, I was just unpacking this. These are people who had been slaves, you know, so they had, you know, they didn't know a story about the Exodus. They themselves like lived the Exodus. They had been slaves in Egypt, bad life. God rescued them in a most dramatic fashion, right? They walked, they didn't read about the Red Sea splitting. They walked through the Red Sea themselves with the water, as the scripture says, like a wall to the right and the left. They knew God did this. They saw the Egyptian army, you know, washed up on the shore afterwards. They had been liberated. They knew this. It wasn't a story to them. They knew it. And yet, uh, these people are grumbling, complaining, doubting. And here's the, here's the kicker for me. They were causing others to do the same. They had sown discouragement. They had seen what God had done. And yet they still doubted. They didn't think he was going to come through again. And they didn't hold that to themselves. They led others to be afraid. And as leaders, you know, there's this, this, this palpable responsibility to lead with courage and wisdom. And when we see mm. our leaders uh, move into that place of uh, not trusting, it is, it's, it's kind of a contagious thing. Like if you're going to quit or you're going to be... If you're not going to trust, man, then I, I probably shouldn't trust either. Maybe, maybe you know something I don't know. Right. And yet we know God. Right. And, and we it, know he's trustworthy. Yeah. And, and, then you, and then you make it more like to the, you know, to me, like it comes home. So like for me, one of the worst fallouts of the pandemic is like, I just don't trust anybody anymore. You know, like I don't trust the news. I don't, I don't think I trust anybody. It's really terrible to say that, but I, I, I don't. That's been a, and I know a lot of people like that. It's just a massive crisis of trust. But just like you said, you know, we're all leaders. That's right. So whether I'm a priest, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, I'm a I'm a employer. We all have people in our charge who, by our uh, words, by our actions, by our demeanors, I can either sow encouragement or discouragement. And you go back to the to the situation of the the Israelites. They had seen with their own eyes what God had done. Well, we've seen more. They didn't know that God was going to become a man and go to the cross and triumph over sin and death and over Satan and hell. They didn't know that God wasn't just going to give them manna. God was going to give them the Eucharist. They didn't know that God is, you know, um, ridiculously merciful and forgives time and time and time again in these uh, gifts that he's given to us and uh, say the sacrament of confession or whatnot. They, they didn't know that. They knew what they knew, but they didn't know what we know. They haven't seen what, what I've seen. And yet I grumble, I complain, I doubt, and I can cause others to do the same. That's what really just hits mm -hmm. me, you know, because I think, you know, you tell me as a, you know, you're a mom, a wife, now a grandmother, um, so often 
I don't know about you, but like, I just want to control everything. Or if I don't want to control everything, although I think I really do, um, I want to know in advance, not simply that God's going to provide. I want to know how. How you're going to do Yeah, it. I want to see how you're going to do this, Lord. It's really tough for us to live in the ambiguity, right? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not comfortable getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. But if we really want to press into courage... That's exactly what you do. It's almost like you pretend to be courageous. Mm. You know, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right or not, Father John, but I thought I read something recently that said courage is simply fear that has prayed. Mm, I like that. It's like that in itself is like an act of trust. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so for me as a mother, uh, I can think back to a particular time in my life when um, I had my own set of fears, but I didn't want anyone else in my family to see it mm. or taste it or experience it. And so I put on this courageous face and that's what you do, even if you don't feel it. So it's kind of like we're pretending to be courageous and not that you can't be human and not that you can't mm-hmm. be real, yeah. but there's something about integrating that piece of prayer. Courageous, courage is fear that is prayed. And I think in that act of trust, grace comes. Right. Yeah, and even as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of, you know, Jesus doesn't hesitate to show the apostles, um, you know, we're, we're about to celebrate uh, Holy Week and uh, Holy Thursday. Jesus is sweating blood, right? So he's not, he's not shy, he's not, he's not veiling that from them. They see him in this sheer um, terror over the confrontation that he's about to enter into with the enemy. And, um, that's, to me, that's always been a really comforting thing that um, like the, the Lord doesn't put on an act. So I don't have to put on an act. In other words, I can be, I can be honest with those that I know and love and, and even the people that I care for. You know, We can be honest with each other in our work. Like There are reasons to be concerned. There are things to be afraid of or that cause fear, but I don't have to give into it. So, that's exactly so right. courage doesn't mean I don't experience fear. It means I don't give into it. I love what you just said. And what Jesus is inviting us to do, and he's giving us his spirit to do. What he did in the garden, he didn't quit there. Yeah, and, and to entrust ourselves That's to right. the Father, right? That's right. And Because and, what the Lord wants us to know is that the Father is faithful always, all the time. So much so that the Son can entrust himself into the Father's hands. Not my will, but your will, Father, be done. And, you know, I had, I was thinking of a, an experience. I know I've shared this with you and with others at times, but you know, I, I was fortunate to to live in Rome and to study over there for four years. And it, you know, quite candidly, it, it was a miserable experience for the first year, maybe year and a half, because the internet wasn't invented. You know, there were no cell phones. I was totally cut off from the people that I loved. I'm surrounded by beauty and amazing experiences, but because I have nobody there to share it with, it just makes you feel lonelier, you know? Very isolated, right? And so, and I know you moved like crazy when you were young, and so you've, you've, you've gone through all those kinds of things too. Um, and all, you know, all of us have in our own ways experienced these things, but the Lord turned that experience into an extraordinary oasis for me. I mean, it went from a desert to an oasis. When I left Rome finally, I remember walking around St. Peter's, Late at night, I was about to fly home the next day, and I remember looking into the sky. I don't know why we always look into the sky when we pray, but I looked into the sky, and I just said, Lord, I will never doubt you again. 
I will never doubt you again because you have proven to me here, like I just can't deny that you are faithful and that nothing's impossible for you. And you turned, you know, like what felt like just a terrible place uh, into a tremendous place. And so I just made that resolution. And yet <laughs> I can still doubt him, right? You know, um, sure, we all can, right? I mean, we're all fraught with fears and doubts and struggles and all of that. It's part of the human condition. Um, I think in my own life, Father, you know, I, I can tell the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, gosh, Lord, I just love you. Waking up in the morning, Lord, just I just love you and I thank you and I praise you. At night, Lord, thank you for your blessing and your goodness. Love seems to roll off my tongue, perhaps when times are good. Mm. So if love for me, at least in my own life, I'm not saying this is anybody else's experience. This is just probably rather revealing about maybe where I am in my faith. But love sometimes feels like the shallow end of the pool. Mm. And trust is the Lord standing in the middle of the pool, holding out his hand saying, do you trust me? Mm. Will you come deeper? Will you come deeper? And, and, and the pool, the water is rising from my waist to my chest, to my neck. And he's saying, do you trust me? And on a purely human level, it's, I'm not sure, Lord, help my unbelief, right? But for me, trust, it's easy to say I love you. It's a deeper yes to say, and I trust you. Can I keep my water wings on? Because yeah, I'm not really sure. Where's my floaties? <laughs> Those little straws yeah. that you can float on. Can I, don't, I bring my inner tube, Lord? Looks kind of deep out there. You but know, it is but, oh, but I love I, that it's image. just such a helpful image mm. for me because trust just requires that deeper surrender, right? Yeah, amen. And, and so, you know, we have been really taken by the surrender novena which I'm always encouraged by how many people have uh, been exposed to this. If, you're, if, you, if you are unfamiliar with the Surrender Novena, um, I, I can't encourage you enough. Maybe we can put it in our show notes just for people to find the link and to download it. You know, a novena is supposed to last nine days. This thing's going to last for the rest of my life. I just pray it over and over again every day. And even this morning, I was just kind of going through various things that Jesus says to this priest and then that the priest shares to us Things like simply leave the care of your affairs to me. Or this is Jesus, huh? Surrender means to placidly close the eyes of the soul, to turn away from thoughts of tribulation, and to put yourself in my care. He says at one point, you don't turn to me. Instead, you want me to adapt to your ideas. I've never had that experience personally, but apparently some people can relate to that. Um, you are sleepless. Maybe this is why I'm not sleeping at night. You are sleepless. You want to judge everything, direct everything, see to everything. But Jesus says, but trust only in me. Rest in me. Surrender to me in everything. Not the things that you're like, okay, handing these off. Surrender to me in everything, Right. So, Father John, I think you're, I think the remedy for your uh, sleeplessness might be 20 milligrams of surrender, <laughs> maybe tonight. You know what I'm thinking of as you talk about that? So I'm thinking um, for all you mothers and grandmothers out there, when you're sitting next to a sick child in bed and they're just fitful and they just can't calm down and you're sitting with them mm. and you just want to see them sleep and they, you want them to know that you're there by the bedside and it's okay, honey, I'm here mm. It's like the father. I mean, maybe see the father by the side of 
you know, the bed tonight, just saying, son, mm. I'm here. I don't, it doesn't delight me to see you tossing and turning all night. Yeah. Do you not know that I'm here? Yeah, I, I was sharing some of this with my one of my sisters the other day, and she just said, think about that line in The Chosen. It's actually one of the most moving scenes to me. It's in, I think it's in the second episode. Um, I, I don't remember exactly, but it's Jesus is going to bed, and he, he just gets on his knees, and his prayer is, blessed are you, Lord God of the universe, King of the universe, who gives sleep to my eyes and slumber to my heart. It's just an awesome prayer. You know, so it's a prayer of praise. Yeah, exactly. And surrender and, and trusting. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I pray when I do a night prayer before I go to bed. You know, I, I, uh, the last thing I do is ask Our Lady to intercede, and uh, I have a, a holy card with um, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe and the words of Mary to Saint Juan Diego, and uh, on the back of the card, it, this is just Mary talking to him and to me, to us, right? And she just says, "Listen." Put it into your heart, my smallest child, that the thing that frightened you, the thing that afflicted you, is nothing. Do not let it disturb you. Am I not here, I who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? And then the last line, and I can always just hear Mary looking at me as, or see her looking at me as she asks this question is, do you need something more? Like, what, what more do you need? What more could we ask for, Father John, than a good father and a good mother in heaven? Yeah, amen. So, so how can we grow in trust? Like, what are some practical things that we can do? So the, the, this is where I think the rubber meets the road because we often think that we're going to get trust by rolling up our sleeves, as you often say, and just mm. grinning and bearing it and getting through whatever that situation is. But we know the word of God is bound with promises. And so maybe just, you know, do a, do a Bible study, a topical Bible study on trust. I love that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And scripture is replete with passages that we can write out, put it on a card, um, put it on your mirror in the morning, put it in your Bibles, put it wherever you're going to see it. Don't just open up and do, you know, do the study, but write the, write those passages down that speak to your heart and keep them in front of you. Yeah. I love that. So th those of you who don't know what a topical Bible study is, pull out your favorite search engine and just type, what are all the scriptures on trust? And you're going to get a boatload of them and just soak in them. You know, even as you share that, when Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for reproof and correction. And, and the word he uses there is, is um, like the making straight of something that's lame. Oh, I love that. You know, so the idea is like we all have a, a, um, a paralyzed or a crippled understanding of God in one way or another. And what the Word of God does as we soak in it, as we do this topical Bible study, what's lame, namely my mind about the Father, becomes gradually to get healed, right? And I, I, um, we've, we've spoken about this before, but we just celebrated not too long ago the Feast of the Annunciation. And I'm struck by every single painting, except for one that I'm aware of. I'm sure there's many more, but every painting of the Annunciation of Gabriel coming to Mary and and making this like unbelievable, unbelievable announcement, right? It's like, how does and Mary what? say, you know, like 
yeah, do to me whatever you want to do to me. Like, how can she say that? Every painting except one shows Mary on her knees reading the word of God. And so to your point, like, she just knows God. She knows who he is. In lots of ways, yeah. but not least of which is scripturally. Yep. And she knows he's faithful. He's trustworthy. And so she's able to just go, okay, like, I know this is going to be uh, more than I can do on my own, but I'm not on my own. So, yes. So I love that. Mm, so can scripture. What else can we do? You know, one of the things that uh, comes to my mind, Father John, is uh, is to maybe go back on our lives and call to mind an event or a series of events um, where you're going through a very difficult time of loss or fear or doubt or transition where your trust and your faith um, really struggled. Mm. And then reflect upon how God showed himself to be trustworthy in those moments. And I think, Father John, that's one of the times where um, journaling is really important is oftentimes as we as we journal, we can go back in our journals like three, four, five, six months later and go, oh my gosh, yeah. look where I was. Yeah. And then look at God's sovereignty and his provision. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. So maybe just put pen to paper, walk back in our lives, those moments, and maybe becomes a litany of trust. Thank you, Lord, that you were trustworthy when. Yeah, just kind of like what I was doing walking around St. Peter's that night. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, absolutely. Doesn't Therese say something about... uh, Oh, I How to do this? I love, you know, she's one of my dear, dear friends. In fact, I uh, I think I prayed asking for her intercession before we recorded this podcast. Um, she has this great line. She says, trust works miracles. Mm. But you know what it, and I think what she means by that is that it's, it's, the miracles don't always come in a way that we would imagine, but God always responds to an act of trust mm. and an act of trust anyway. And oftentimes, perhaps in your life, as you were just talking about in Rome, God blows away what we thought was even possible. Yeah. He responds in a way that wasn't even on our radar, but it's far beyond what we could have possibly asked for. And so I think those are just, you know, acts of faith, you yeah. know, um, Lord, I trust you and I leave this situation in your hands. And I know that trusting you will work miracles. I'm, I'm remembering a, a favorite sermon that I heard from a Pentecostal pastor who was preaching his wife's funeral. The title of the funeral was, uh, of his sermon was trust. Trust me. me. I thought about him this morning. Yeah. And, and he says in that, this. he says, uh, you know, he goes into this great litany, like he's just preaching. He says, trust, trust, trust doesn't involve yes to what you ask. It means that you know best. That's trust. Not yes, but you know best, Lord. And so whatever you want, I trust you, right? I mean, you know, just, just one more thought. I mean, I, I, I love... I, I love that uh, that preaching that, that that pastor offered. And it's almost like as he's preaching, I could see like two gripped hands as he's mourning, he's preaching his wife's funeral, where our hands are, are, are clasped. It's an illusion that we have control anyway. Yeah, that's true. And I think the good father just wants us to gently just open up the grip of our hands because we can't take his hands if our hands are clasped, holding on to whatever situation we're holding on to but it requires immense faith yeah. and immense grace. Yeah. And he, he wants to supply that too. 
right? It only comes from him. Yeah, amen. That's, and maybe that's the perfect way to close because we are hard to believe, but we are about to enter into Holy Week, which means, by the way, that Exodus 90 is close to finished. over. Hallelujah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's been glorious. You know, so as we as we prepare to enter into Holy Week, maybe finally, just like, how about we resolve for, for those few of us who struggle with trust, um, just ask Jesus this upcoming Holy Week for the grace to come to know the Father more intimately, the one to whom he can say, not my will, but yours be done. The one into whose hands uh, he commends his spirit. You know, Jesus tells us, unless you become like children, not childlike, children, you will never enter the kingdom. And one of the ways that I've always understood that is, in other words, unless you become like me, because Jesus is forever a child. He, that's his identity. He's son. And the son trusts the father. He, he does what the father does. He, he does what he sees him do. And he speaks what he hears the father say. And because he knows the father and because the spirit of Jesus lives in us, we can know the father more than we do. We can come to know how much he loves us. Uh, and as we do that, as we come to a deeper understanding of all that he's done for us in the person of his son, then we can give our lives to him as well. And that we can entrust into his hands, not just ourselves, but for you uh, as a mom and a, a wife and a grandmother, for others who are married, um, those that we love, especially our children. So uh, may it be a, a rich uh, conclusion to this season of Lent. And may Jesus in his kindness uh, just kind of drench us with his spirit that we might know the Father. So as always, brothers and sisters, no matter what it is that's threatening you right now with fear, with anxiety, uh, with worry, whether it's something going on in your own life or the life of someone that you love or someone in the church or someone in the country or someone in the world, the situation in Ukraine, no matter what it is, do not be afraid. God is with you. God is with you, the creator of the universe. And you were born for this. 